This week on Mobile First, a conversation with Dominique Essig, Chief Experience Officer for the brand Minovos. I mean, I think it's the art of creation, to be honest. I am completely obsessed with this idea that you can think of something, you can take this kind of input from either customers, from data, competitively, and then you think of this idea, and then I just love this idea that I'm actually going to sit down with somebody and build that. And I have been completely fascinated with that since I've started my career in product. Welcome to Mobile First. This is a weekly podcast that digs into the mobile strategy, user insights, and technology driving the latest in business innovation. This podcast is brought to you by Emerge Interactive. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I talk with today's biggest thought leaders leveraging mobile. We'll gain insights from their experience to help your organization truly become mobile first. Now, in this episode, I had a blast talking to Dominique. She brings a ton of energy and charisma to this episode, so I can't wait to share it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we explore the Bonobos Guide Shop model in depth. Uh, you're going to hear their experience through the art and science of innovation, how they're going from click to brick, utilizing a heavy data-driven approach, and we're going to be taking a closer look at how they're disrupting the connected shopping experience, so stay tuned. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways from this episode on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. Hey, Dominique, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Jordan, for having me. Absolutely. So introduce our guest today, Dominique Essig is the Chief Experience Officer for Bonobos, the men's e-commerce brand known for better-fitting clothes paired with exceptional customer service. Essig is responsible for overseeing the product management, UX design, engineering, data science, IT, analytics and insights, and customer service ninja functions. Essig brings more than 16 years of online experience both in North American and global product management customer experience and operations, and software development. So Dominique, how about you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So I'm relatively new to New York. I've been here about three years. Previously had lived in Texas and I moved with my family. Um, I have two little boys, so five and a half and four. So if there's a question you have about Harry Potter, Star Wars, uh, Legos, uh, superheroes, I can answer all of them. That's awesome. So awesome. Two boys and... Definitely love to love to hear your perspective because uh, you know going through your bio, you've done a lot of things and, and you have a lot of focuses and and Bonobos is a is a very interesting company to me that was kind of under the radar for me personally, but I, I in d- taking a deeper look, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. So you ready to do a deep dive and see what wisdom we can pull from your experience? Love to. All right, so I like to start off with pretty much wanting to get that perspective that you have, and a lot of that is derived from that origin story. And so, Dominique, at what point in your life did you become interested in customer experience and and how that played into retail? Yeah. So I was originally going to be a lawyer and uh, (laughs) was a political science major at Duke and thought, that's what I'm going to do. When I graduated, I thought, well, why don't don't I wait and see if this is really what I'm kind of passionate about? Started working at some dot-coms, one in college and one right when I graduated. And that quickly went under. That was kind of the bubble burst in the early 2000s. And so then from there, I moved to Travelocity. And I think that was really the moment that I just started to absolutely fall in love with this profession and product management and thinking about customer experience and retail and e-commerce. And it just became an incredibly exciting problem statement for me to think about not only what do customers need, but what's also important for the business. And I just fell in love with this idea of the art and the science and the kind of the melding of that and the idea that I could build really amazing products, although digital ones, but these amazing products um, for customers. And I found it to be a really fascinating and, and cool job. When you say the art and science of, can you maybe give an example of, from your perspective, you know, what is that art component of it? And then how does that science component fit into that? Yeah. So I think to start with the science, you know, that to me is a lot about the analytics. It's a lot about, you know, the business case. What are you trying to move? What KPIs are you trying to to impact? What does your business need you to accomplish? 
And then to me, the art of it was a couple of things. One, it's about capturing customer feedback, listening to what they have to say, whether through focus groups, through surveys, whatever it might be, and and then still making sure that you're thinking about products that are also aesthetically pleasing, right? That represent your brand. So I think about that, the art, which is the the kind of the creation component of what is this going to look like, how will it interact, and then this idea of the of the key science, the metrics that you're going to move. And to me, the two combinations of those coming together, I thought was just a really cool problem. Gotcha. Yeah. And some of the things that I think, you know, that I'm seeing right now is is bridging that gap between the art and that science for a lot of companies. And, you know, because a lot of the art captivates us, right? It's to create this really cool digital initiative, really. And, but then how, how do we connect that to the business? You know, how can we justify the investment into something like that? And what are those KPIs? So I can totally tell by now or from just our very early conversation that they're all about bridging that gap. So I'm interested to see some of these examples that you have, you know, but before we get into that, out of these things that, that really inspire you and, you know, it sounds like the path to Travelocity and really discovering this art and science, you know, what led you to become the chief experience officer at Bonobos? You know, I think my career really started in, in the realm of product um, and product management. And that's really kind of how I cut my teeth in e-commerce from there, I started picking up additional functions that were kind of focused and related. So then I started picking up user experience, UX design, visual design, all of those obviously are tightly integrated. And then from there, I ended up picking up additional responsibilities, customer service, insights and analytics, even engineering, data science. But if you think about it, you know, they're all still focused on create great experiences. They're all very focused on the consumer all that a slightly different kind of look at that problem statement, but they're still very, very micro-focused on that. And so I just started to pick up these areas of functions and I think it's a great opportunity in this role to really make a difference on, you know, how we can really impact customers day to day and to kind of get into that mindset of my, you know, my consumer. And what I loved about Bonobos was a couple of different things. One was the shopping model. We've, we've hinted a little bit about it, but this idea of obviously e-commerce, brick and mortar, the guide shops, which actually don't carry physical inventory. I found this combination of both e-commerce kind of digital experience plus the brick and mortar to be just a really cool problem that I felt like I could get very involved in and, and make a big difference. Two, I think, you know, Bonobos has a great story around its brand and its product. And when I talk to anybody, even my husband or just really anybody about Bonobos, there was this like passion and love for this brand and how it made men feel, um, which I thought was incredibly important. And then lastly, what I thought about Bonobos was just, I really wanted to work at a vertical retailer. I really wanted to work at a company that owned and made its own product. And I think there were two reasons why. One, it was just a great way to have more control on the experience. So I felt like I could make a bigger impact if we were actually physically making our own product. And two, the business model is just so different. You know, I've worked at previous companies, which were somewhat resellers of other inventory. And there is some kind of distance you have from the experience and what customers actually get. So I was really intrigued by kind of all of those things. So my love of kind of product and customer experience, along with this, like what I found really fascinating business model was just like, to me, the perfect combination. And I have been here about nine months and have never been happier. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm excited to dig into to that model. And it sounds like you're very aware of that, that brick and mortar location and how that can be, I guess, elevated through the digital realm. And so bringing that brick to click, I'm excited to, to, for you to share some of those initiatives. And it's very clear that you're passionate about this and, and um, the things that you're interested. But you know, what are the things that you think personally make you great at what you do and, and provide you with this perspective? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I have a lot of experience in e-commerce and I don't, you could maybe say that makes me old, but um, (laughs) I'm joking. But, you know, for me, I think there's a, just a a passion for how this business has continued to evolve, a desire to constantly learn, to be around people that are smarter than me. I'm tenacious and incredibly focused on how I think about our customer and how I think about our business. Um, I think you're never truly done learning. And I've been amazed by the people that I work with here, obviously at Bonobos, but also just the people in this field in the city. And it's been really just an unbelievably eye-opening experience for me. And and I feel like I'm learning every single day. Love that. So I think to recap, 
kind of summing it up is you come across as a very passionate individual, very tenacious about the things that you focus on and that you're just open to learning and just absorbing what's happening around you to influence that change. I think you have to be. I think the industry, just this kind of field has changed so dramatically. And we're clearly seeing that in retail today. And we're clearly seeing that in a lot of different businesses that are being disrupted. So you know, you, you can't ever sit and, and rest. You have to constantly be thinking about what's best for your business, but also what's best for your customer. If you keep kind of your customer in mind, I think it, you know, in the end, typically is what's also great for your business. So I think if you be very focused on what's happening around you and, and very passionate about how you continue to push your own, your own self and your, and your company forward. Yeah. So these, these disruptions that you just referenced, you know, these changes that are happening around you, you know, what do you think is the biggest change that's taking place in the industry right now that, that you're seeing or that you've experienced? Oh, I think there's a, a tremendous amount. Um, you know, I think probably first and foremost, I'm going to have to say, I think an impact on customer relationships. And I think that that might sound a little, you know, kind of too idealistic, but I think there's now back a focus on how important that relationship with is your customer. You know, if you think about how shopping and retail just in general has evolved over time, right? You start with these very one-to-one small shops, you go to your kind of corner store, and then we kind of this like total other end of the pendulum, these mass chains, they're very unpersonalized. And then we see a completely, sh- you know, kind of massive shift again where everything goes to digital and e-commerce. And I think what we're trying to, I think, all do in this industry is figure out the right place, right? It's It can't be so small and so one-to-one. It can't be so general that it's a utilitarian or almost a commodity function, right? It, and so I think we're all shifting. And, and I think this is what Bonobos has really been poised well to do is kind of find that sweet spot, right? Where you want to be able to scale and clearly we can do that with our e-commerce experience, but people do want and care about a brand relationship. And I think that's something that we've really focused on. And so to me, it's this kind of really important mix of like focusing on the customer, but yet weaving together the different ways that they want to interact with you. And each customer is very, very different. What would you define as that sweet spot then? What are the components of it? And in in what capacity are those components there to create that sweet spot? I guess for Bonobos even. Yeah, for Bonobos in particular, I mean, I think our guide shop is is obviously a really unique model. So for those that don't know, we have roughly 22 guide shops around the country. And a guide shop, you could think of it very similar to kind of a typical store, but the customer comes in, they generally can make an appointment. So they have kind of a one-to-one experience with what we call a guide. If you think of them as a, as a stylist, they can try on any size and any color but not necessarily any size in every color. And then once the customer finds the items that they like, once they kind of get fitted or styled, they make the purchase. And then those items are typically sent to them in kind of one to kind of what would be three days. And so it's a a slightly different model than what obviously you walk into a typical brick and mortar store that we're not carrying physical inventory. But what customers in particular, our customer who I can really talk a lot about um, has loved is that idea that it's very personable. They have this connection with the guide. A lot of our guides develop long relationships and they really service these customers over many years. And I think what we've tried to do is how do we make that as efficient as possible? How do we bring one, what's happening in the guide shop back to obviously our database to understand what is valuable to customers? And how do we put technology in the store that really makes our guides and the relationships that are keeping with our customers valuable? And so we, you know, We've talked a little bit about, we've launched a point of sale solution for our, our guides. They walk around with an iPad and that really does help the shopping experience. Gotcha. Yeah. You covered a lot of stuff there. So I definitely want to dig into that a little bit deeper because I, I think that that's a very disruptive thing that, that I haven't really seen that I think that we would love to learn more about that guide shop. And so just to recap, right, you go in and you pretty much have that, that same in-person physical experience, but you're not buying anything in the store you're more just cataloging your everything that you need. And then that's available in the digital experience. Is, is that correct? Or You are actually buying. You actually are purchasing. I think the big difference here is that you're not walking out with the bags. And so those packages for New York will typically show up the next day and then could, you know, in most cases show up anywhere from two to three days after that. But For most customers, we're showing those packages literally show up in in one to two days. And so you are making the purchase. You're trying to close on. You're talking to the guide. You're getting the style advice. You're like, will this work with that? Yes, those pants will work with that jacket. You're making that purchase. And then you don't have to kind of walk out with the packages. You can go on your day-to-day. You can kind of know that those packages will show up and they'll be there. So Bonobos has several shops. I'm very interested in this. the first shop. How do you make this transition as a company into 
this is kind of, this is different. You know, this is a completely different thing that that no one's really doing and it's not very widely adopted. With this first shop, what sort of pushback did you get? What was the what was the kind of transition that took place? Really the discussions that took place of, hey, let's give this a shot and here's why we should give this a shot. Yeah, I think the whole process was really an organic one where what happened is that customers kept calling and reaching out and wanting to come in and try the product. And I think this is also what's so key just to really understand what's important to your customer. And for our guy, that sense of trying things on, of feeling comfortable with the suit that they were going to buy or the pants or the tuxedo was incredibly important. So it organically came about where customers were walking in, trying on clothes, and then wanting those clothes to be sent to them. So I don't think there was a tremendous amount of, um, should we do this, should the not? I think it was really our customers telling us that this was something that was incredibly important for them and was really easy for us to just kind of move into. And we now have 22 stores around the country. I guess what inspired it, this model though, because, you know, if a customer to say, Hey, I want to come in and actually want to try on the clothes, kind of the, the typical mindset is, okay, let's start a brick and mortar and let's have inventory in the store. And you know, that that's the typical model, but what inspired the, well, let's not go that full extent. Let's, let's have this specific experience. And that's, it's pretty much a minimalist approach when it comes to the investment to a location, but it really elevates the digital experience. And so I'm just curious you know, what were the conversations had that created this specific model? I think there's kind of two aspects to that, right? One, men and women shop incredibly differently. And so this idea that men needed to walk out with a package, you know, that their, that preconceived notion wasn't necessarily there. So I think the, that our male shopper really enjoyed that aspect of, okay, I've made my purchases. I've, I've decided what I want and I, and I don't have to carry that out. And then two, when we started to just think about the economics of the store and the, and the footprint, you know, we're able to capitalize more of our real estate to actually be more of the showroom for the customer. We can carry less inventory, which is actually just smarter from, you know, kind of a book's perspective and being thoughtful about how we capitalize and, and think about our inventory. So we have more sitting in our warehouse that can go out to customers. I think financially, as well as for our customers, it just made a lot of sense. I love that. So really looking at all the different components of the business, looking at the footprint, looking at the economics, looking at the financial investment and looking at the customer. And um, I'm really seeing show through your art and science combination, right? And and how to approach these different business decisions. So what prompted, you know, the validation of this? It, it seems like, because you just, you pointed out that there's an assumption that the guy needed to walk out with the bag when in reality, we don't. And that launched into 22 now guide shops, which is crazy. So what sort of testing or ex- experimentation structure uh, validated that assumption? And, and I guess, how did you come up with these assumptions and what was that process like? What we really saw was the demand continue to grow and grow. And so once that message, even prior to kind of operationalizing that that process, once customers started to coming in and they're telling their friends and then they're, they want to come in, what you just continued to see was a really pretty strong demand um, of customers wanting to shop in this model. And, and then that started to think about, okay, well, we've got a store in our headquarters where, where customers can come in, but we should probably think about another market. And so continuing to pick strategic markets where our customer base is, has been just incredibly important, not only, I think, for customers to feel comfortable buying and developing a relationship with Bonobos, but also just to really think about, you know, brand and customer acquisition. And so guys come in, they get really, really happy with their purchases and their products, and then they shift to, you know, tell their friends and then their friends come in and then they tell their friends. And so the model has been just a great one where I think they've been able to establish a relationship with us and they feel that relationship a little bit more deeper than just going online because they can actually come in, feel the product, talk to the customer or talk to the guide and feel a part of like, okay, I feel comfortable with what I'm purchasing. So I think to reiterate and put this maybe a linear path, you had this online experience and then you were getting customer feedback. I would love to come in and actually try this stuff on so that I know that it fits me to the level that I want it to. And from that feedback launched into, okay, now we need some sort of physical location. Let's figure that out. And then I think the step that I'm not quite clear on was this next step then doing like, uh, some sort of focus group or questionnaire to a group of, you know, a hundred people to figure out what the experience needed to be like in the physical or what, what was that step like? I think that the, the goal was to make sure that, that we weren't just replicating what retail had been before. And so I think you have to, and, and the team really thought about how do you break the mold of what currently exists today? 
So on how do you keep it personable? How do you keep it to be somewhat like a destination? You know, our, our shops today have obviously a great design aesthetic, but there's also kind of a, like a great sitting room. There's, you know, beer and for the guys, like it's, it's not this kind of really pressure intense or I'm kind of wandering around this large store. And so it was real. How do you completely turn it's on its head, how retail is done today so that you make an engaging experience that you make guys. And that really started slow, right? So the first shop, clearly, first shop was clearly very different than the fifth one, which has evolved obviously to the to the 20th and so forth. So I think it was a, a slow evolution of what can be different and what matters to customers and then continuing to refine that over time. And I think, you know, as we continue to roll out guide shops, we'll continue to push the boundaries of what really relates to guys and, and how do we make sure that they're comfortable in their shopping experience. Yeah, I love that, especially from, you know, an entrepreneurial perspective and and a lean method approach. It's understanding what those components are. That's what you guys did. You pretty much laid out here are all the components uh, necessary for the experience that needs to be performed. But then being very unbiased in how those fit together, because like the typical way to do it is, is to have that brick and mortar, just physical location. But you are more focused on that customer feedback and what those given components needed to be and then went from there. Which was which is cool and which causes very disruptive, innovative experience that you can't really think of if, if you're thinking of in the general terms. It's more of just looking at the individual components and those fit together to form this unique thing. hundred percent. I think that's why it's so important to really think about to understand your customer and understand where you want to go. You know, it's it's easy to some extent to just replicate what's been done before. It's obviously incredibly hard to think about making it innovative and new. And, you know, that clearly will be kind of my challenge and our team's challenge over the next couple of years, which is how do we continue to to change the way people think about shopping? And, and for our guy, how do we continue to make that as great as possible? And, you know, I think it was pretty phenomenal to embrace what was different about retail and push the boundaries there. So did you receive any pushback from the customer or even the leadership team when that first guide shop was established or the first couple guide shops were established? No, I mean, I think there was actually a great way to like really a great focus on let's test into this. Um, And I think that's the beautiful also kind of um, aspect of our model, which is that we typically buy, you know, have small footprints or small stores. And so there wasn't it for our first couple of stores, there wasn't a tremendous amount of capital investment initially. It was like, let's test this and see what really works and continue to refine over and over to make it what it is today. And I think we'll continue to push those boundaries. How have you seen this, this guide shop initiative impact the growth of the business? Is, is it causing the hockey stick or is it, is it pretty steady or I guess, what is the impact that you've seen it make? Yeah. I mean, that to me has been incredible. Um, I think it's been really, I'll say yes, definitely more the trajectory of the, of the hockey stick, but it's been impactful in a couple of different ways. One, overall, it's a great way to think about customer acquisition. You know, we do get a good percentage of our customers who are making appointments, but there's also a really healthy percentage of customers who are just walking in. And so there's just the natural foot traffic that happens where people start to become, oh, what is this brand? You know, let me walk in here. So one, I think it's been very valuable for customer acquisition. Two, I also think it's been incredibly important as we look at kind of the segments and the customers that we've acquired. And there are differences between the customers that we acquire in a guide shop versus online. And so it's been a great way to to think about how we can continue to push the financial aspects of our business, not to get into too much detail, but it's, you know, a very, very healthy business for us that that we will continue to grow and push into. And three, I think having the guide shop also just really overall helps our e-commerce presence. So whether customers start in a guide shop or start in e-commerce and then flip to the other channel, you know, it's been really, really important in growing the overall business. So for us, it's really been the water kind of rising overall. We've not really had to see this kind of playoff of one channel versus the other. And in fact, I really want customers to be multi-channel because it's a healthier business for Bonobos. You'd mentioned earlier, you know, with the guide shop, there's also these technologies that are supplementing that, that are helping improve that experience. Can you maybe talk to some of the technologies used and, and maybe the point of sale is that big one, but then also kind of broader some of those technologies? Yeah. So the, the big one in for us really has been our point of sale solution, which has been out to all stores um, since April, but we've been really testing that tool and the impact in the store probably since before kind of the new year started. So we had a really healthy chunk of having four guide shops around the country, testing the tool, gathering the customer feedback. But it's a point of sale solution that all of our guides use. So as they're walking around and engaging with a customer, 
when the customer is either seeing items that they like or wanting to try on items, the guide can literally add them to the basket right then and there. And then as the customer is deciding what they want to purchase, they can complete the transaction. So it's still really personable because the guide and the customer are walking around the store. They no longer have to go behind the counter to make the transaction. It happens right on the, on the iPad um, and it becomes a really organic process. And we've seen great feedback in every single way. One, financially what it's done for our business and also two, just how much it's really made the life of the guides much easier. Can you maybe expand, expand on both of those points, how it's, how it's made the impact financially, but then also just the guides experience? Yeah, so I'll start with the guides experience. Um, so as I said, we did a tremendous amount of kind of beta testing where we had four stores that were using the tool. And what we really focused on was making sure that we had a ton of customer feedback from the guides, understanding what was working, what was not. And what we took them from was using kind of a computer, kind of a, a laptop walking around the store to the iPad. And what they found and all of the feedback goes for customers and guides that we've received is that it really took this kind of device between that was physically between the customer and the guide away, and it made it a much more organic experience. So overall, the customer and guide feedback was incredibly, incredibly positive. And then on the financial side, as I said, because we were doing beta testing between the four stores and the rest of the kind of stores that were not using the point of sale, what we just saw was really significant increases and some pretty key metrics, you know, conversion, AOV, UPT. And so, you know, unfortunately, that's all I can, can really sell since we're privately held. But it was just a great way to look at the kind of scorecard before and after and understand the impact of the business. As you describe this, I mean, the experience that I can personally relate to that just very familiar is just like going to the Apple store. Yeah. Right, where you get all these Apple geniuses walking around with their iPads helping you and, and can make the purchase right on the spot. Exactly. Yeah, really relatable. Very cool. And so you're not standing in line. You're not holding your packages, right? It just becomes a, a very organic experience. If anything, we we joke sometimes the customer doesn't quite know it's done. And then we're like, oh, no, you're all set. You're completely done because <laughs> everything is electronically. And so they get an email right away. They can track their package. And, you know, they walk out feeling really, really happy about the experience. So then is this is this more of a one-to-one or are there that you have to schedule an appointment to go in and, and have that really personable person old representative? Or is it something where there's like a given amount of guides there and you can walk in and, and do that? I guess, is, is there kind of a restraint to the experience that you can own it or what does that look like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Right now, we, we've yet to see that um, and customers can do either. So you can make an appointment. And do a one-to-one, either 30 minutes to an hour. You know, we also have our groom shop. And so what we'll find is that whole kind of wedding parties will come in and and all the guys, you know, kind of the groom and his groomsmen will get all of their tuxes, get all their suits. And so you can make it a really fun kind of experience where you're either doing it with a spouse or a significant other, or you can just walk in and a guide can help you as well. And we just go through that process pretty seamlessly, capture your email address. We start the process where we're making the transaction and pretty quickly, you know, with very minimal kind of inputs, we can take that order for you and it, and it all just happens very seamlessly. I will say, I don't think customers are waiting 30 minutes. Um, you know, I think we try and really be focused and, and thoughtful about how we staff and we want to make sure it's a great experience. You know, the moment that somebody decides to walk by your store and walk into your store is a, is a moment you have to capture on. So, you know, our guide shop team is pretty incredible about making sure that we staff and we obviously watch, you know, like any retail store. And this is where being very traditional, we're watching kind of um, foot traffic. We're understanding kind of when people are coming in, weekends, nights. And so we just make sure to staff appropriately. You, you clearly will get a dedicated experience if you make an appointment prior, but there's, there's huge value to the walk-in. It's incredibly important that we make sure that those potential customers feel just as valuable. And in your bio, you, you, uh, you know, I was talking about uh, some of these ninja marketing customer service ninjas functions. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, when, when talking even and referencing that science component, you know, what are some of these KPIs that you're focusing on that are a little bit outside of the norm because of the way you're interacting with the customer? It's different. So I think that there's maybe some other sort of ninja style KPIs or, or things that you're measuring. I'm curious, is that kind of play into this experience or are they pretty standard KPIs? I think that, you know, most businesses are looking at key metrics to understand you know, what is happening in their business. So even as it relates to our ninjas, for those that don't know, our customer service team, they're called ninjas internally. You know, we want to make sure that we're looking at what are the number of, you know, um, 
you know, issues we're resolving within an hour. What is our call count? What are our chat conversion rates? So we're looking at standard metrics, but I will say that we're not shy away. We're not really shying away from the idea of putting that phone number out there or reaching out to customers. We've been very aggressive in testing proactive chat. We, we try and make it as easy as possible for our customers to reach out to us and have a connection. And so I think that's where you don't really want to shy away from the contact. What you really want to focus on is resolving the issues on why people are contacting you. And what we find is actually a pretty large chunk of our customers will actually contact a ninja, typically through chat. Um, it could be greater than 50% of our chats, which are really focused on, I'm at that moment of deciding, I'm on that product details page, and I just want a little bit more help to decide what size I should be. And so a lot of our our chats are really focused on, can you help me find my size? And so our ninjas, because they truly are ninjas, kind of can really help a customer just by some a little bit of information, you know, find the right size and fit for them. And so you have this experience that takes place, uh, you know, on the website in the store, you know, in a mobile setting. And you were talking about, you know, these different channels that you're engaging with these customers and then different ways to interact with the customer. So I'm, I'm curious what sort of omni-channel strategies you guys are employing, because that's definitely an evolving trend that we're seeing in retail just in general. And I'm curious from your perspective and your very unique approach to the physical, how that's elevated your different channels and which ones you're really pulling levers on to create a, you know, a specific cohesive experience? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I could tell you that we weren't focusing on all channels <laughs> because we are. I mean, I think, you know, omni-channel is really only a reality if you can connect the channels to each other, right? So if you're not actually having your mobile experience talk to your desktop, you know, for us, our digital experience talk to our guide shop, for the guide shop to be able to connect with the Ninja, what I really want is the customer who comes to Bonobos, whether that's in-store, online, or through our Ninjas, that they have a really seamless experience and that we understand who they who they are. And so for me, I think, you know, Omnichannel is really about stitching together these experiences, making sure that the experience is as holistic as possible. You know, the, the guide shop technology for us was an incredible way to make sure that we had a better sense of what was happening in store. And then we could bring that forward into the digital experience. It's just as important to bring kind of what we know about our customers into the Ninja channel. We've been doing a, a tremendous amount around segmentation. And so regardless of how you decide to come to Bonobos, I need to understand who you are, who is Jordan, how is he shopping, and how do I make sure that experience is as relevant as possible? To, if I interact with Bonobos, right, can you give me maybe a, a journey example of how I would go from one to the other and how you're mindfully taking into consideration this narrative and, and how that might be experienced from one to the other? Yeah, so I'll give you one scenario where a customer might start in Guide Shop. So a customer who's perhaps heard about Bonobos from a friend. So I'm going to say, Jordan, you've just heard about Bonobos from your friend. He's told you how amazing these pants are. That you can't live without them. So you you decide to make that appointment and you go into the guide shop. And then you try, you know, you, you have your experience. You try on a couple of different pants. You try on some shirts. You feel comfortable with your guide. And you decide to make that purchase. So you get that one pair of pants. You're incredibly happy. But now you feel pretty confident. Okay, well, I've figured out what size and fit I am. Not only do I know my size, I know my fit. We offer multiple fits. And so you decide now to go into online. And you, so you go to desktop and you're excited. You're looking around. You want to try a different type of pants. Maybe you tried our wash chino at first. Now you're going to go to your stretch wash chino. And so that is pretty seamless and happens pretty often where customers may start on one channel. They merge to another channel. You find a couple of products. You decide to buy those. Um, it's important for us to understand, you know, what have you purchased before? What are you interested in? How does that play in with your digital experience? And also, how does that play into your marketing experience? I no longer, if you're, you know, if you're looking at pants over pants over pants, I want to make sure that I'm sending you relevant emails. I want to show you pants or other items that you might like, or perhaps I'll take a chance and also sh show you items where I can complete the look. Um, and so to me, whether you're starting in the guide shop, whether you're starting online, if you read out, reach out to our ninjas, to me, I have to make that as seamless as possible and even through to the customer communication that I'm going to send you. Yeah, it's, it's very clear, you know, how to utilize that you have a very good grasp of how to utilize these channels and, and to create that personal context, because that's absolutely where things are, are shifting. And, you know, with these awesome initiatives that you guys have in place and that, you know, you're very intuitive with where things are going. Are, is there anything that you're seeing as kind of a pain point for 
I guess maybe your organization or maybe just the industry in general that, that even though it's like, Hey, we, we see all these moving things and we know what we need to do is what is that rub? I guess that's, that's making it hard for you to transition or for these, uh, just the industry to transition to, to do these things. Cause it's, it's, it's obvious that this stuff is necessary. Yeah. Besides the fact that I think we can't do it all at the same time. Right. I mean, I think that the, you know, one of the biggest pain points by far is the fact that the industry is moving fast. Right. And so I think we have a model that is incredibly relevant to our customers and really does resonate with them, but that expectation will continue to shift, right? Customers are shopping all the time. It's an incredibly on-demand culture we, we cannot sit by and not continue to innovate. We have to continue to push the boundaries. And so for me, I have to continue to think about how do I make shopping as easy as possible? How do I remove all the friction points for our customer? How do I make sure that they come to Bonobos with a sense of one, who we are and how we can fit for them? You know, and, and that's a challenge that we'll continue to think about and focus on. And so to give you maybe a micro example, you know, we offer five different fits. And it's incredibly important that our guy can come to the Bonobos website and can figure out what fit he is. Now, he can do that today. He can go into the guide shop and understand that. He can contact a ninja. And just by giving a little bit of information, our ninja can pretty accurately put you in the right fit. But for the customer who's just online and just looking at the digital experience, I have to make fit come to life. I have to make that as easy as possible and as seamless as possible that our guy can immediately know, oh, you know what? I'm going to be a tailored or I'm a slim. And so that's maybe one little small micro example um, of how we have to continue to think about what our customer needs and continue to focus there. So what sort of activities are you doing on a consistent basis to identify that as a friction point and identify these friction points? Yeah. So there's a, a ton of stuff. I mean, obviously at a, at a macro level, we look at the funnel, right? So I'm constantly thinking about what are all the steps in the funnel from homepage to discovery to the product details to checkout? We've been micro-focused really on the product details page. And, and the reason why we've been doing that is because one, it's that moment of decision. It's incredibly important that the customer's like, yes, I'm going to buy this or no, I'm not. And, and also a lot of the reasons why people return products, particularly in retail, is because they didn't have enough context or information, you know, at, at the time of that, of that decision. So we've been very focused on on that particular moment in the, in the life cycle, we've been adding features like zoom. We've been adding features like color swatches, which is really allowing customers to understand and see, you know, to a very great detail, um, the shirts or our products. We've been adding recommendations and testing very different algorithms to understand what resonates with our guy. Is it something around what other customers purchased? Is it more shop the look? And so there's been a tremendous amount of focus at that page, even as simple as, how do people pick size and colors? What is that process? What does that UX look like? Um, and so we've been very, very focused on that experience because I think that's a really important unlock for, you know, allowing customers to kind of move through the, the kind of the process, move through the funnel as, as easy as possible. I would say, you know, that's that's a pretty common, I, I guess, approach to, to, to doing that. But I think the thing that probably differentiates you guys is the frequency at which you're doing that. So, you know, these activities that you are doing to really identify, you know, these, uh, these points of friction, you know, how frequently are you doing these activities and are they a focus or you're, you know, making these initiatives? How, what does that frequency look like? Yeah, it, there's been a heavy focus on it and, and the data points and the way that we've been capturing is, has been numerous. So one, you know, clearly we're looking at the analytics every day. We're understanding those analytics across different acquisition channels and really also across different segments. To me, it's important to understand, you know, what is my top 20% of my customers doing and how does that differ from the rest of my customers? We've been also really trying to ask customers more and more. So besides doing a tremendous amount of user testing, we're doing a lot of on-site polls. You know, we're asking customers at that moment of decision, why did you not add to the cart? What other information would be valuable to you? So it's been a tremendous amount of both qualitative and quantitative data. Um, and it's been a heavy focus for us for the past couple of months. And there's probably a handful of things that aren't right for the customer experience today. And we're really attacking them kind of one by one. So how often do you go through that whole feedback loop, though, of you know building something and then measuring the data, learning from it, and then building that second iteration? What's that iteration cycle typically look like? It doesn't stop at all. So there's, I would say it's an, it's an ongoing experience. I don't think, you know, clearly it wouldn't be smart to focus on the product details page for the next five years. So 
that is a moment in time. Um, but the, the kind of iteration and focus at that on that particular page is daily, if not weekly, right? Constantly looking at feedback, obviously waiting for, for feedback to aggregate to a level that is significant. But then we'll go, we'll have a heavy focus on this particular moment in time and then we'll switch to the next one, right? We'll go to maybe the homepage or our category, our category pages. And we're also doing, you know, as you can imagine, some of them in parallel. There's, when you think about kind of the product life, you know, life cycle, really there's a tremendous amount of analysis and feedback that's happening in other parts of the funnel. We just happen to be aggressively actioning this particular one at the time. I see. So it, it would be like on a weekly basis on something that you're aggressively focusing on? Yeah, constantly. And we don't have a set release cycle. We're released all the time. And so for us, I you kind of last quarter and this quarter, we've been heavily focused at those moments of time. Um, and we'll continue to probably focus for the next couple of months. And then we'll probably think, okay, what's the next pain point for customers? How do we continue to evolve and address that? But as it relates to thinking about kind of customer insights, you know, we have a weekly hour and a half meeting where we're diving deep to what customers are telling us, whether that's polling data, user experience data, survey data, brand awareness there's kind of a weekly meeting where we really dive deep into what customers are saying. I love that. So yeah, just it's the frequency is that weekly meeting. And, but then, and you have that one given focus, obviously you're considering all the different things that play into it, the experience, but then every couple of months, maybe shifting focus. And so that, that very agile approach, uh, build, measure, learn. I think that's, that's totally what allows you guys to be that quick moving, innovative uh, experience. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, the last thing I'll say is that we're just in the process of, we do a lot of customer feedback, but we actually don't have like a voice of customer tool on our site. And so, you know, I'm pretty excited about of putting that on our site and capturing feedback. I think it continues to supersize, you know, the, the kind of focus on customer insights. Um, but it's a, it's a constant process. We're constantly evaluating and, and continuing to think about how we make it better and better. So it sounds like even uh, these Kind of the frequency of this is determined by the amount of data you're able to aggregate over a specific, over any amount of time. You know, maybe it's less than a week because you got you know hundred thousand reviews about one specific thing that needs to be changed. Like that's the obvious tweak, but then something might take a little bit longer. And so I'm curious, you know, what that threshold looks like. Is it kind of a range, a number of people, or once you've reached like let's say above like I don't know a thousand people, then it's it needs to be weighted eighty twenty. Of that feedback, or I That's guess a great question as it relates to kind of customer insights, I think we really look for, you know, maybe a couple hundred, maybe five hundred to, you know, I think pieces of feedback. So people who've taken the survey given us um, additional insights. As it relates to A/B testing, which we also do extensively, you know, that's once we've actually launched it, then we're obviously A/B testing. You know, we're looking to hit significance, and we're looking to hit kind of in the ninety-five percent significant range. So I think it really varies for for customer insights. We're looking for just a couple hundred responses to gather and capture feedback. That kind of then moves us towards the next milestone of obviously building, and then we're obviously doing um, A/B testing, and we're slicing those A/B tests by everything. I mean, you can imagine, right? Obviously. How does that play across devices? How does that play across new versus returning customers? Eventually, we'll be able to, to look at A-B test across segments. And so, as I said, if I think about my, my customers across quartiles, you know, how, does, how does a particular A-B test function across one quartile versus another? Gotcha. So I just, and I want to make sure I caught that. Uh, so you were saying that a, a minimum a couple hundred, and then you're looking for that 95% that says it's something that needs to be focused on? Yeah, I think that's the difference between the qualitative and quantitative, right? Qualitative is giving us that kind of direction and early feedback. And then the quantitative, maybe testing, we're, we're looking to hit a little bit more of a rigorous mark. And so in kind of shifting gears real quickly, you know, there's obviously this focus of, of the digital experience and the physical experience, but how has this rapidly evolving mobile industry and just the user moving to mobile and starting in mobile, how has that really influenced your guys' thinking on including that into the strategy? And what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think I said it before too, right, which is the sense that every channel you have or every device you have has to be really on point. You don't have a sense of when when and customers aren't telling you, oh, today I'm going to shop mobile today, so it, so it better be great, right? So, you know, we've put a lot of focus um, in our mobile web experience over the past year and a half. You know, one really micro example for you, pretty significant changes we made in our mobile web checkout to just make it a much better experience. 
As a result of doing that, we doubled our mobile web conversion. It was a pretty substantial overnight, <laughs> you know, increase. But I will say this, you know, we still see, and I think this is really where demographics is, is pretty interesting. We still see customers who are doing a lot more kind of dreaming or discovery on mobile and then purchasing on desktop. Now that is shifting over time. I think our customers are getting more and more used to, you know, kind of shifting from buying on a mobile device. But I think you still do see, and we see this in our data, where there's a lot more shopping than actually purchasing happening. And I think you you see that across all of retail, right, where mobile has changed the way that people shop. And, it, and we definitely see that as well. They're kind of in the store, comparing prices, sharing it to, you know, kind of taking a picture, sharing to their friend, which I just recently did with my friend, um, you know, gathering feedback, reading reviews, like it's really shifted the way people think about purchasing. So we see the same trends that people are seeing. I will say this though, I think, you know, men and women shop very, very differently. And so looking um, kind of in my past history, but looking at the differences of a kind of mobile versus desktop and how that kind of breaks across demographics, I think is a really interesting, you know, interesting to see how that shifts over time. You know, it sounds like there is this baseline that's necessary for that mobile, like you pointed out, like providing information, uh, potentially showing inventory, just that information for browsing purposes needs to be there. But then when making a big, I guess, investment into a one specific component of that mobile experience for you guys, it was that checkout experience. And going through that and experiencing that, would you say, you know, that's that's the formula to doing a mobile experience, going mobile first for a company? Or now that you've gone through that, would you say there's a different focus that uh, that you've learned needs to be maybe a, a priority? Yeah, I mean, I think that was a probably great example where we hadn't focused on the mobile checkout experience. Um, and so I think that was a tremendous wake up call. You know, for us as an organization, it was such a dramatic shift in conversion that, you know, it was incredibly important to take part of. But I think now the way that we approach it is that when we launch a feature, it has to be really great from, from every experience. So no longer does this just work on desktop or tablet. It really has to be great across mobile. It has to be across tablet and desktop. To me, the way I think about it, it's less about choosing one channel over the other. Although clearly, I think what we're all seeing in the industry is a shift towards mobile, right? Um, kind of shifting of obviously shopping and purchasing towards the you know, mobile device. But I think about these really as being a complement to each other. I think you have to have great experiences across all of your devices and all of your channels. Like I said, you don't know when customers are really going to engage with your brand. And so it needs to, it needs to be great experience across all of them. But I will say 100%, we are you know, much more thoughtful and aware and just cognizant of when we launch a feature, how does that experience play on mobile, tablet, and desktop? And we design across all. That's a great segment to wrap up. I think that core segment, you ready for some rapid fire questions, Dominique? <laughs> yes, 100%. All right. Okay. So um, with this, you know, just quick and short, right to the point, what would you put more emphasis on the idea or the execution? And then how would you weigh each and why? Okay, this is, this is a tough one um, because they are, they are such a complement to each other, but I'm going to say the execution and for a couple of reasons. One, I personally just love working with a team. And, and, and so I think that desire of building something I think is incredibly important. And two, I think just the whole methodology of being lean and agile, I much rather get something out um, and then continue to iterate and test and continue to make the idea better and better. And I think doing that in the real world, gathering that feedback, you really get to someplace faster than having this like perfect idea. And I've done this with large projects and small projects. So if I had to weight them, I'd probably say 75% on execution and 25% on the idea. So what has been your biggest learning lesson on your journey in retail so far? That not all customers are the same. And, you know, I, I came obviously from a very different business prior to Bonobos. And it was, it was, you know, I had this kind of idea of what I thought shoppers wanted and needed. And I think it was been a really opening experience to me and a great learning experience to know that the Bonobos customer is just different. And so it's important that we both capture that kind of qualitative and quantitative feedback and that we test everything. And so we are, we're testing everything. We really make sure that we, that we do a lot of the research up front, but that we are very, very aggressive on, on putting something out into the, into the wild and then understanding how it performs. How about what is your favorite business book or marketing or digital book and why? Okay. So maybe a little bit dorky, but my favorite book <laughs> is this book called FYI, which is called For Your Improvement, a guide 
to develop in coaching. So I've been leading teams for a pretty long time in my career. And, and it's one of the best books that really, I think, gets... It's not this kind of book you sit down and read end to end. It's really about you find kind of the core virtue or the kind of component that somebody on your team needs to work on. And then you really dive into that particular chapter with them. And I've just found it to be a great coaching device um, when I'm working with my team. Very cool. Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes and I'll add it to my Amazon list after that. <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. I've, I've carried it with me for 10 years. How about uh, your favorite digital resource? Okay, so I'm completely obsessed with the Jason and Scott podcast. Okay, okay. Which is a really great podcast that just focuses on everything e-commerce and digital shopping and and marketing. So, you know, they recently did a, a huge deep dive into Pokemon Go, which was enlightening for me. But they cover everything from Amazon to what's happening in the industry to best practices. Um, it comes out weekly and it's a must-have for me. And I share it with every single person in my company. And lastly, what is your favorite mobile app and why? So I had kind of two. The first would be the Apple podcast app. I know it's kind of dorky, but I have just love podcasts and I find it a great way to focus on kind of what's happening in my industry, but also just to listen to different books or different things um, that are happening. So it's a great time on my commute to to just kind of focus on what's happening in the world. And then second, I would say the Starbucks app. I think they've just done an incredible job on getting to the mindset of the consumer. I admire it not only because it makes my life easy, but I think just their focus on the consumer from the ease of payments to reloading to your card to mobile ordering, I think it's just one of the best apps out there. And then what's the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to know? Um, so it's probably a little bit more behind the scenes, but at Bonobos, we've just recently implemented a new business intelligence tool. We're in the process of really diving deep into segments and understanding more about our customers. And so I think to me, it's just about really getting even more into the mindset of what's happening with our customers. What are they doing? What are they purchasing? What are these cohorts doing? So I think we've only begun to scrape the surface of, of what our data can tell us. I think there's so much more for us to do. And my goal is to, to take all of that kind of implicit information and explicitly drive better experiences for our customers. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The second thing I would say is We've been testing a tremendous amount of recommendation algorithms. We have a new one out there that's a little bit more curated and more of kind of a shop to look. And it's been so far, you know, been really resonating with our customers. And so it kind of continues to reinforce the hypothesis of what I think our guy needs and how we can continue to innovate on that in the next couple of years. And so Dominique, if, you know, our audience want to get in touch with you to, to learn more, to connect, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. I can be reached at dom, D-O-M, um, at bonobos.com. All right. Check out bonobos.com. Dominique, thank you so much uh, for the lesson today. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jordan. It was great. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join us next for a conversation with Nick Shaw, co-founder and chief operating officer at Ampush, the number one native mobile advertising solution. We'll dig into how Ampush came to be and the impact mobile advertising can do for a brand using their client Dollar Shave Club as the example and how to maximize your mobile advertising efforts. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.